Do you want to open in prayer? Sure. Okay. Heavenly Father, we just praise you. God, we thank you. We thank you, God, that we have another day. God, another day to to do your will, your purpose, God. The, The divine appointments that you have for us. And God, we thank you for each woman that is here today. God, I thank you. That you are um, preparing us, God. Even now, as Sharon's, uh, you've laid what what you had on her heart. God, open our ears to hear the very word of the Lord. God, let it be hidden in our hearts. God, give us divine revelation. And God, we pray for an anointing. We know it's already there, but a big, big overpowering of your presence, God, over Sharon as she's giving forth the word of God. And we just pray uh, that, that you would bless. Uh, this time, God, we just invite the Holy Spirit to just stay and reside within yes, us, Lord yes. Jesus. Thank God, you, God. Your way in this place today, God, we yes. are obedient to your will. And so, God, we just give this uh, Bible study to you, and God, we just ask that your will, your purpose, and your word would go forth yes, in a mighty yes. and powerful way. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name. Yes, thank you, God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Well, before we get into the lesson, I would like to introduce everyone to Elaine Klon. She's here today, and I... <laughs> so, if, why don't you go around, if you, if you already know her, you don't need to stand up and give your name, but so we, you guys know each other, so, okay? I'm Janice. Hi, Okay. Okay. Hi. I don't know how many years back we go, Elaine, but a long ways. A long ways. She used to come to some of the Bible studies, and she's. Uh, I know she's active in her own church. And sometime we'll have you give your testimony. We'd love to hear what God's doing in your life now because I know it's good stuff. You've kind of hooked up with Rosemary, haven't you, on this uh, uh, going through the gateways. Yes, yes. Tearing, Tearing down the enemy's camp. And I believe that there is something going on getting us pre- prepared for the revival that's coming. So just, I'm excited about it. I know you guys are being instrumental, so. So then another thing I want to talk about is last, last time I had Barb share what she had on her, in her visitation. And uh, when I heard it the first time, I was really, really moved. I mean, it was just like, I felt like it was definitely a word that we all need to hear. And, and I think that God is saying to all of us uh, to be prepared, to get ready. We need to position ourselves because we can miss what God's going to do if we don't have ears to hear and a heart to listen. And so that has been my prayer for all of us is that we fine tune our ears and get our hearts prepared and remember where we are positioned. Because I know this last week, and I'm going to tell on myself, uh, I went through a trial, and I think I was like three days in the trial before I realized, all right, it's time for you to wake up, shape up, and get back in the program. (laughs) Because we don't realize how subtle the enemy can be 
to just make us feel like, oh, I don't want to do anything today. I'll just, just stay home. Not that that's not good occasionally, but if we give in to that very much, guess what? We're going we're gonna to be here at home doing nothing, and here's all the activity going on out there, and we don't want to miss it. So um, there were several things in here. If you didn't get one of these papers, I don't know, Patty, did you bring any more? No, yeah, I just... They're just, uh, I just thought it was good. And I know it moved me last time. And I, uh, as I was, because um, I was going through some things myself. And of course, all I can give to anybody is what's going on in me. <coughs> but do you want to? Yeah. Okay. Uh, those that didn't get it. So anyway, um, we know that God's always doing a work inside of us. And, um, it takes our cooperation a lot of times to respond to that. That's what Barb did. Barb was at home. She was in prayer. She'd been listening to something, reading something, but she was positioned in a place where she was able to hear what God had for her. And I'm so aware that we get so busy just living life, just going about life that we forget to stop and think, wait a minute, okay, God, you're in everything I do, everything. Whether I'm doing dishes, scrubbing the floors, running the sweeper, pecking up dog hairs, I mean, <laughs> you name it, <laughs> whatever. I have been practicing saying to myself, okay, God, I'm doing this as unto you. Because there's a lot of things that are mundane. They're not fun to do. We would rather be doing something else than some of the things that we need to do. And so the Bible very clearly says to do all things heartily as unto the Lord. Well, I'm telling you, I haven't been doing a lot of things heartily <laughs> as unto the Lord. I've been doing it pretty grumpily. And I'm thinking, why do we allow the enemy to get us in that place? Because now I recognize that, and I said, now I realize, wait a minute, the enemy is trying to get me off track. He's trying to get me into a place where my thoughts are on this realm and on all of the negative things and not on what God is wanting to do in and through every one of us. And one of the things that we get set free for, and maybe we forget about this, it was for freedom that Christ set us free. That freedom is freedom to love. It's freedom to love. And we think, oh, I love, I love my husband. Oh, I love my friends. Oh, we use that word. We throw it around a lot. But what does love really mean to each one of us? And it's interesting because we get into it a little bit today in today's lesson. Um, and I apologize to you because I don't remember how far we got last time. <laughs> Usually I flip the paper, paper over, and then the next time I'm already right there. I didn't do that, so I don't know where we stopped. So if I repeat myself, don't think anything about it. But we were talking about the therefores, you know, that are all through Romans. <clears throat> and there were 14 up to Romans 12. 
And all of those therefores, we know that there's a reason they're there. So we need to find out. And we went over those last time, and I know we ended up in the 11th, in the 11th chapter. And I like the very last of that chapter, where it talks about, let's just start with 33. Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay him? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. And then we go directly into Romans that says, Therefore, I urge you, brethren, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Now, I don't remember if we tore this, this apart or not, but there are three things in here that Paul talks to us about how we are to give him, uh, and we'll go into those in just a minute. But I want us to stop and think what it really does mean to give ourselves as a living sacrifice. Have you even thought about it before, what that really means to give yourself as a living sacrifice. We don't put ourselves on the altar as dead. <laughs> we put ourselves on the altar as alive. And so the Old Testament, they were put on the animals and the sacrifices were put on the on the brazen altar dead. They were not alive. They were killed and then they were put on that altar. But I believe that the reason for that is because we are alive and we are able to have like our mind, our will, and the emotions are all active. And God wants those active when we put ourselves on that altar. It's not a command that he does with us to make us <coughs> so-called puppets on a string. He wants us to do it willingly. He wants us to do it because it's in our heart to do it. And I can remember years ago, and I'm telling on myself, I remember this scripture. I quoted it, I said I did it, and then I didn't. I don't know if the rest of you have ever done it, but I found I crawled off that altar many, many times because I would do my own thing. I would uh, want to go my own way, <clears throat> or there would be any other reason that maybe I was not in the place that really God wants us to be. Now, a lot of you may think, Okay, how do you keep your, your thoughts on God all day long? Do you think it's impossible? I used to think it was, but do you know now he's forever there? He's just, he's just right there, a breath away, a breath away. I don't think hardly more than just a few minutes will go by, and there's something in me that's connecting again to the fact that his presence is right there. This is where he wants us 
walking and I want that improved in my life. I want to be so aware of God's presence that his presence so out, uh, what do I want to call it, manifests anything else that I'm doing. And I'll tell you, that's why our trials come. If we could understand the trials of God, they are, first of all, they are the fight of faith. We already know that. The Bible tells us, fight the good fight of faith. We know that in those trials, God is trying to teach us something. And I know that I've learned over the years when those trials come to say, God, what are you after in me? And he's going to show you. I've had many times where things have been exposed. I didn't want exposed. But afterwards, I'm so thankful that God revealed them to me so that when he begins to do that deep work, I come up with just a little more patience, a little bit more faith, more perseverance, because God wants us to learn how to persevere in the midst of everything that's going on around us. Perseverance is such a virtue because <clears throat> the enemy is constantly at us trying to get us distracted or trying to get us to change our mind or trying to get us off track. And he knows how to do it. He uses our weaknesses always to get us off track. And so learning how to say, okay, God, what are you after in me? Because it's not going to be the other person that offended me that he's after. It's not going to be the circumstances that just happened that may have created anger or whatever else in me. And so I need to listen and hear, okay, God, you are the one, you're the author, you're the finisher of my faith. You are doing a work that you're going to complete until the return of Jesus. So what is it that you are trying to do? And I guarantee you, he will show you, he will reveal it. And a lot of times, this is when you will go through some form of healing. I, <laughs> oh, golly. Um, when you get to be my age, you find out you've gone through a lot of healing. <laughs> and um, I've lived a, a lot of years not knowing the truth. And I'm so grateful for the people God has put in my life that has triggered uh, a hunger, that has triggered uh, encouragement, that's triggered something in me to make me want to go on, to make me want to keep going. This is why we were created. We were created for fellowship. We were created to bear one another's burdens. We were created to care enough for each other that we love each other enough that we be that support group that God wants us to be. We were never meant to be loners. God did not intend for us to be off in a wilderness all by ourselves. He meant us to be connected somehow to a body where we can have that support of loving and praying for one another. I'm so grateful for what we have here. We have a good, solid prayer chain. 
We've got more than one, actually. Some of the same people are in both of them, but we have one that comes over the phone. We have one that goes over the internet. And I tell you, I know people are praying because they are always responding back to me when I send out a prayer request. And they'll be asking me about the person and they'll want to be praying more or they're more, even more thorough about praying. So we have a very good prayer base of people here that I'm very, very thankful for. Uh, <clears throat> I can't emphasize enough, if you are feeling humdrum, if you are feeling like, oh, I don't really want to do this, or I don't want to do that, and you're just, <laughs> you can bet the enemy's at work. I can promise you, I know he is, because he wants you to get in a comfort zone of just complacency. That is one of, I'm, <laughs> that was one of my weaknesses because as I grew up, I was not a fighter. I was not a leader. I was not a lot of things, and I was one of these that would go into passivity. So worst thing in the body of Christ is passivity. Because you go through the motions, you go to church, you go home, you, you just do, but there's nothing involved with it. That's not where God has called us as believers. He's called us to a love affair, I'm just telling you. He's called us to a love affair. If we don't enter into that love affair, then we're going to be doing things out of the wrong motivation. I may do it because I feel like I have to. That's not what God's after. God wants us to do things because our love for Him is so great, we can't help but do it. A lot of us do it because yeah, it's just the thing to do, you know. Yeah. We can get into that in our homes very, very easy. Well, the dishes need to be done, so you go do them. The floor needs to be swept, so you go sweep it. And we get into mundane things without realizing, and I'm talking to me today, guys, without realizing, do you know the privilege that we have to just be alive? Just to be alive. I mean, it's, it's a privilege to be here today. It's a privilege that we can go and worship and be in groups without worrying about someone coming through the door and arresting us or whatever. We take so many things for granted that we forget how to be grateful for all that we really do have. I know Deb was talking to me one day about how God had been dealing with her because she was in one of those which you're, you're going to have when you lose someone so close. But she said the Lord told her, quit focusing on what you don't have and focus on what you do have. Is that how it went? And I mean, she, she was caught up in the grief of the hour, which we know is going to happen. But she knew that God was trying to, to talk to her and tell her that this was one of the ways out of that situation, is to be thankful and to be glad for what you do have. And so I don't know why I'm going this way today, maybe because God dealt with me, maybe because some of you have been dealing with passivity, 
Maybe you've been dealing with complacency. Maybe there's just something in you that's finding that you don't have that zeal for God that you once had. And God wants us to get that zeal back, that passion back. Because if we don't have it, we're just going to just, it's going to be church as normal. <clears throat> He's waking us up, guys, so that we can be the church of the last days. Yeah. And the church of the last days isn't going to just be sitting on a chair and just listening to sermons. It's going to either be in the prayer closet or out speaking to somebody that needs to be spoken to. We do have to be the church. And we can't be the church if we do not activate ourselves. And so um, <laughs> that doesn't mean you have to have a ministry. You know, sometimes we have this misconception that, okay, so now I've got the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and I must, certainly must have a ministry, and we go seeking a ministry. Well, your ministry is right under your nose. Is it your home? Is it, is it your family? Is it your neighborhood? Is it somebody that's in your church? Is it another group of people? I mean, it could be any number of things, but it doesn't mean that you're going to necessarily have some type of ministry because all of us have something that God's called us to do, and it may not be specified amongst the gifts. Now, I'm not going to go into the gifts today because I probably will get into them on Sunday. Uh, Barry had asked Brian and myself to teach on the gifts of the uh, hearing God's voice through the gifts of the Spirit. Wow, what a challenge. What a challenge. Because, first of all, we got to know who Holy Spirit is. He's the third person of a triune God, and he is just as important as the other two. And so we need to realize the value of him being within each one of us. I know when I first realized that that resurrection power, that power that raised Jesus from the dead is in me, I mean, I couldn't wrap my brain around it. It was like, wow. And so why is it lying dormant? Why is it not coming out in witnessing to people or loving on people or whatever it is? You know, we don't have to do anything except grow right where we're planted. And so many times our own family is the one that gets neglected in the midst of ministering because we think the ministry's out there somewhere, so we got to go here, we got to go there, and we got to minister here, we got to... No, if you don't minister first in your home, you might as well forget about ministry out here. And I'm preaching to myself because I know how easy it is to get busy and to get caught up in what's out here and not get caught up in the very person that's left at home that needs ministry more than any, anyone. And I'm facing that myself. That's one of the reasons that I'm preaching this today is because God's been dealing with my own heart that if I allow other ministry to go before the, the, the ministry to my husband, I'm out of order. And so I'm just, just throwing that out there because 
It's something God's put on my heart. So anyway, chapter 12 of Romans, it has to do with relationships. And of course, we know the most important relationship is God. But if our relationship with God is what it is supposed to be, the other relationships just fall in place. If we truly love God and we've allowed his love in our lives to do a work in us, we're going to find ourselves loving other people. It's not going to be an effort. We don't have that power in our own natural man. But through the love of Jesus, we do have that power. And we begin to learn that love is a choice. It's always a choice. We are learning as a church body not to get offended. Do you realize how hard that is? <laughs> Until we learn that God's going to just keep setting up one person after another person and after another person to offend us until we learn our lesson. <laughs> Am I right? <laughs> I promise you that God is doing a work and it's up to us to cooperate in the work that God is doing and we all fall short every one of us do but where that doesn't mean that we're not going to allow him to do that work in us so um, I'm just throwing this out here because this happens to every one of us not one of us hasn't had this happen if there is anyone in your life I don't care if, you, if there's anyone in your life that's just like gritty sandpaper and you don't want to be around them, you can't hardly stand them, they are, they are offensive to you, don't look at them. <laughs> that's our tendency. We want to look at them and we want to blame them and we want to say, well, this is what you make me feel like. No, your feelings are, you, you are the one that's in authority over your feelings, not that other person. Because if we give them power over our feelings, guess what? They're the ones that has power over us. We are to own, take ownership of a lot of things. When we got into the bondage or to the boundary teaching, we all learned that stewardship means that we are responsible for things in our own little knapsack so a lot of them would be like our opinions and our thoughts our attitudes our behavior uh, uh, anything that I own uh, uh, places I go choices I make anything like that those are mine and I'm responsible for them and I cannot make anyone else responsible for those things so if you make me angry I can't blame you that I'm angry <laughs> Janice knows. <laughs> we have to say, okay, why is this person making me so angry? Now, uh, having said that, we also know that there is righteous indignation, and that's not what God's talking about. <coughs> righteous indignation has to do with true injustice. That's what Jesus had with, with the money changers. <coughs> Excuse me. Thought I had my phone turned off. 
And I hope it's not that silly thing I was telling you about. <laughs> it is. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how to get rid of it, so. So righteous indignation is what Jesus had <clears throat> with the money changers because they were there selling their goods and, and merchandising when it was supposed to have been a house of prayer. And a lot of times things can be un, unjust that, that happens to us. And the Bible says, be angry, but don't let sin come in on your anger. <clears throat> and you know when you're sinning. We don't have to be told, do we, Janice? <laughs> when, I am, when I am angry and sinning, there's usually heat in the situation. I can even feel it inside of me. <laughs> and I want to just haul off and maybe hit somebody or who knows what. I've been that way with the dog. <laughs> I won't go into that story, but... <laughs> Oh, mercy. God help me. <clears throat> and so I am learning with the dog to not get so angry because I really have been. I'm just confessing. And it's because I get very, very tired of dog hairs. And I feel like the dog's shedding right now and there's dog hairs everywhere. I can't get ahead of them. I can't keep up with them. And... Uh, my husband loves to do like this on the dog's back. And when you see that, you see all the, <laughs> the hair falling on the floor and on the carpet. And I used to be, I'm saying used to be, I used to be kind of fanatical about my house. That doesn't happen anymore, but I do like it cleaner than I used to. <laughs> I mean, than I did. I, I like it clean, and it's not that way anymore. So anyway kind of getting off the subject here but all right Deb <laughs> oh my goodness you know when you stop and think about the love and the mercy and the patience that God has with us isn't it amazing he is such an amazing God he just he just is okay so let's get back to Romans 12 I'm clear off of my path <clears throat> So, um, to consecrate yourself, um, you are literally dedicating everything that you are. You are dedicating yourself to God and to God's purposes. And I find it difficult sometimes to stay on course in that only because we are naturally self-centered. We are naturally prone to think about what we need, what we want, what we think, what we feel, and getting off and doing our own thing. It's very easy. We can do it. In fact, a lot of people do it in ministry. Uh, and it's unfortunate. We'll probably get into that a little later. Uh, because the gifts were given to the body totally for the edification of the body not to exalt any person. And so sometimes you will see people exercising the gifts 
and they have an ulterior motivation. It's back on them to make them look good, to make them look spiritual, to make them look like they know more, to make them look, we all want to be the best, right? <laughs> but in God's eyes, we got to be willing to be the least, to have promotion. And I think that's very hard to learn because how many of us are willing to do anything for anybody and not even be recognized for it? Our natural, our natural man, if I give, <laughs> how come you're laughing? I'm just remembering just a situation where that happened. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. Would you like to share it? <laughs> several years ago and I was going through this situation and I just my cry was oh God don't let it be me they see don't let it be me they see let it be you let it be you let it be you and there was one day when, ah, somebody was talking about the people in worship and mentioned everybody but me and I'm sitting out here going well hello <laughs> <laughs> And the Lord reminded me, well, you didn't want to be seen. <laughs> Sorry. That's okay. That's okay because there's no better teacher than experience. And so we, to share one another's experiences, that's good. We all learn from that. And so, yeah. Sorry, I did. No, because it's a human need to be noticed. We all have that need. We want to be noticed. We want to be recognized. We want to be uh, told, oh, wow, you really did a great job and take credit for everything that we do. But that isn't the way Jesus was. And that's what God's trying to take out of us. This me, 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 me uh, mindset that wants everything to come back. We aren't doing anything as unto the Lord. We're doing everything as unto me. That's what, that's what happens in our human nature. And that's what he's wanting to take out of all of us so that we are not going to be in competition with one another when it comes to the gifts. We're not going to be in competition with one another when we are in a church body. The, the, the least noticed person is just as important as the pastor, just as important as another teacher, just as important as anybody else. When I learned that I was just as important as Billy Graham, don't think I didn't think that was pretty, pretty swell. I mean, what, God, you mean that you love me as much as you love Billy Graham? Whoa! Because in my thinking, I, I didn't see how that was possible. But he does. See, he doesn't measure us by the amount of good things that we do. <coughs> he measures us by whether or not we have Jesus in our heart. That's all he measures us by. Everyone in this room, we're equal. Nobody is above anybody else. And that's the way God can move with miracles when the body begins to be that way. That unity, that oneness, that is where it all is. If we can maintain a unity in the body, we are going to see God begin to manifest and move in a dynamic way. That's my prayer. 
God, don't let any one of us exalt ourselves above another because there's only one that's supposed to be exalted, and that's Jesus. And so um, one of the, some of the things that Barb said in her paper that was so good was pretty much getting you out of the way, wasn't it? <laughs> Not easy, is it, Barb? Share that. Hey, share that part about you getting up and going and getting yep. ready. <laughs> I, <clears throat> Patty, and Patty was coming to the house. I called her and she, and I got up and I just had this. I gotta clean the house. My, my here I've been got with God for like an hour and a half, and then I get up and go. Oh, I gotta clean the house. And in my room, I'm telling you, God's just good. And I went to the, to the door of my bedroom, and I heard the Lord say, Mary and Martha. And I went, okay, that's not good. <laughs> I said, I am so sorry, Lord. I just automatically, I'm going to go do this because, because I would always do that. Somebody's coming, I want to clean up. And I said, I'm so sorry. I repent. And I'm coming back to you, and it was just like I just like I had never stopped, but but it just showed. And I told Patty, it just showed me that how quickly the enemy wants to come in and go, oh, forget about God, just forget about God, mm-hmm. do what you what you think needs to be done, mm-hmm. instead of going, no, I'm going to do what God wants me to do, mm-hmm. whether I ever clean this house again or not. Doesn't matter. <laughs> I mean, if you, you get my drift, it's just at that right moment, at that moment, that moment. I, the devil didn't want that to happen, and I was in a moment that I needed to stay in, and so it was like, I'm so sorry, Lord, and I just turned my back, and it was just like I had never done it. So yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Okay, so the first part of our offering in this in this is to give your body <clears throat> to the Lord, um, and it's just like what we were just saying. Uh, our, our body has desires and plans of its own, and that's what was going on with you. And, uh, but we want to use our body for his glory. So 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20 says, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? For you have been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. And so as you gave in then and went back and you took care of her coming, and I think you had other company coming, and you got back into that place of the Spirit at that time, instead of worrying about your house, God came back in, didn't he? It was right there. Yeah. That's something that we need to remember is so many times we'll shut off the Holy Spirit by doing our own thing because... He's not going to force his way in ever with any one of us. So in in saying what I just said, it's a matter of getting your priorities in order because Barb's going to clean her house. She's not going to, <laughs> you know, she's not going to let her house get get dirty and and I will too. I just <laughs> have to change my attitude and do it as unto the Lord. Uh, <clears throat> Romans 8 and uh, 9, and we talked about this a little bit, but I think one of the things that's hard when we are walking as Christians is to walk in that place where we're walking in our new creation, which is what you're 
what you was doing. She was making a choice to walk in who Barb is in the spirit, not who Barb is in the natural. And so uh, Romans 8, 9 says, you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. So we have to have that mindset then of being in the spirit. I don't care whether I sweep, like I said before, whether I'm sweeping the floor, dusting, doing my things, if my thoughts are on God, my thoughts are me in the spirit, not me in the natural. Because I can tell you when I used to clean house, there were always thoughts going on in my mind about recognition for what I was doing. Now, I don't know how to explain that. It was just like, uh, um, like I would hear compliments like, oh, wow, your house looks so nice, or oh, wow, this looks so great, or you would hear compliments or whatever it is. That's why in Proverbs, that, that woman that we go a-whoring after is that one, that flattery. We all want flattery. That is that woman in Proverbs that causes us to go a-whoring after other gods. And that's something that we got to quit craving is that flattery. Well, oh, that's a. I hear you. Like this has really been a big sacrifice of love, right? <laughs> well, I don't know how some of you might handle that, and and me, and I may be telling you wrong. I I haven't the voice of God on it. But if my husband does something really nice for me, I do acknowledge it. I do. I say, I really appreciated that because I know that it's not his nature to do it. <laughs> so it does mean a great deal to me. And if we ever get into the studying of the five uh, love languages, service is my love language. If somebody will do, uh, like my husband especially, if he will do all kinds of good things for me, oh, yeah. That'll, that'll be my love language. So, you know, we may do that sometime. <laughs> oh, well. Okay, and then Philippians 1.20, this is another one that has to do with our, our spirit. According to my earnest expectation and hope is that I will not be put to shame in anything, but that with all boldness, Christ will even now as always be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. And we could go into, uh, you know, sexual sins and things like that, but you guys aren't. I'm not even going to go there because this isn't where I feel like any of us are involved in. So uh, that's another way that we can, um, well, I, what do you want to call it, uh, dishonor God with our bodies, and we don't want to do that. So um, anyway. So let's go to Romans 6.13. And this is, you know, you're going to hear me talk about this a lot in the Bible studies because it's one of the hardest things for us to do. We live in our own bodies. We know what we do right and wrong. We are aware of our sin. And so many times we don't, we don't commit it to the Lord. We carry it. 
And so if we carry it, then we walk in the guilt that comes by carrying our own sin. And guilt, I'm telling you, is one of the main things the enemy uses to keep us distracted from all of God's promises. If I can make you feel guilty over anything that you do, then when you come to God, you're carrying that guilt and you're trying to get rid of it and you're gumming to him sin conscious. Now I'm gonna talk about this a lot because we think we know it, but how many of us battle with making, with things that we do wrong and we feel bad about it with ourselves? Instead, we need to just commit it to the Lord, say, God, I got in the flesh, I'm sorry, let it go. Because otherwise, the enemy's going to do this with every one of us. And we've talked about this before, but in Isaiah 58, God tells us, take that finger that's pointed away from you. Because that finger that's pointed in scorn, the enemy's using it. And that is... I really advise all of you to go and reread that scripture because it's powerful. Because once you remove that finger that's pointed in scorn, and there's nothing between you and God, so you can go boldly before that throne of grace, that's where you start seeing and feeling and sensing and getting all of your answers and hearing his voice. Because if we go to him sin conscious, that thing's like a block above our head that's keeping us from hearing or receiving what God has for us because immediately we disqualify ourselves. Guilt is the first thing to disqualify us. It's been taken care of. Every sin I ever committed, past, present, and future, is under the blood. It was nailed to the cross. It is no longer even on God's thoughts or his mind. And it shouldn't be on ours. Because if your heart is sold out for God, your heart is already pure. And what does God look at? The Bible very clearly says God looks at our heart. He doesn't look at the sin. And for some reason, we have it in our mind that he's looking at the sin and somehow we got to pay for it. <laughs> Why do we do that? That's in our natural man. That's not in our spirit man. And so we've got to begin to think as a new creation. The new creation doesn't even have sin on its mind. Not even thinking sin. And you know what is so strange is that if I am possessed by love, motivated by love, driven by love, everything has to do with love, you're not even going to have sin on your thought. You're not even going to think about sinning against God or against anyone else because you couldn't. Love is the prerequisite to obedience. Always, 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 always. If we love, the Bible even says that, if you love me, you will obey me. We always want to turn it around and say, if you obey me, then you'll love me. No, if you love him. And, and it's like that with, with our friendships. If I truly love someone, I'm not going to lie to them. I'm not going to uh, deceive them in any way. I'm going to do what I, w I want to do to make them feel good or happy or, or pleased or, you know, that's just going to, it's just going to happen. It's not something I have to consciously think about. 
And that's where God wants us to get, is to the place that we're not thinking about sin at all. Adam and Eve didn't in the beginning. They didn't even have knowledge of sin. Well, we do, but we don't have to dwell there. We are no longer slaves to sin. We've been set free. Jesus died to sin so we could die to sin so we could live in our new creation. That's one of the things we learned, learned in Romans. Okay. Wow, I'm going slow. I don't want to be a long time because I understand we got bad weather coming in today, so... All right, I wanted to talk about um, there's only two living sacrifices, and do you know who they were? Jesus is the first one, and the second one was Isaac. He was the only other living sacrifice that's in the Bible. <clears throat> and when you read the story about Abraham giving Isaac, Isaac willingly went to the went on that altar. Somehow, <clears throat> he had an understanding that God was going to provide everything that was necessary and something in him that, that nothing else mattered except being obedient to God. Now that took faith. Somehow he knew something would happen, that he was going to be okay, and he willingly went to that altar. That's the kind of sacrifice that we need to be when we go and lay ourselves on the altar of God. Our trust in him has to be so great that we know that no matter what the circumstances may look like, no matter what we think, no matter what we feel, he's got our good in, in mind. <clears throat> he only wants good for us. We've got to be established on that reality. It's only good, only good, only good, only good. He doesn't have bad in store for any human being. The Old Testament, he had to reveal his holiness. He had to reveal who he was in the most holy um, uh, stature. That's why he couldn't allow sin in the Old Testament. But when Jesus came and he became sin for us, that was all wiped away so that the veil was torn and we can go then into that secret place. I mean, what an awesome, <laughs> what an awesome truth for us to behold is there's nothing holding any one of us back except ourselves. Nothing. The veil's been rent. It's been torn. We have free access to go boldly before the throne of God and obtain grace and help in time of need, no matter what it is. Do we really believe that? <clears throat> I'll probably ask that question a lot because we need to ask ourselves, do we really believe what the Bible tells us? How many times has that little voice up here trying to knock us out of the water and trying to disqualify us from the very promises that we're trying to believe? And I know that for a fact because I'm standing right now believing God for healing. I haven't, it hasn't manifested yet, but it was already done. He already died. He already provided the healing. 
I mean, he shed his blood that I could be healed. By his stripes, I've already been healed. So whatever hindrance there is, I'm asking God, whatever blockage, whatever hindrance, whatever is preventing me from being able to receive that manifestation is what I want him to take care of. Now I was sitting in church, I think it was two weeks ago, we were in worship, and as clear as could be, I heard the Lord say, you have the victory. I wanted to stand up and shout, but it's not my nature, so <laughs> I didn't do it. But I wanted to, I wanted to stand up and shout, and probably I should have. I should have probably got up, shouted, and said, the Lord just said. <laughs> and, well, if you knew me, you'd know that's not my personality, but we need to learn that God's word is yea and amen. It's yea and amen. We put the question mark there. Why do we put a question mark there? I don't know, but we do. We have a tendency to question. Well, maybe, or we'll put it on us. Well, I probably didn't fast enough, or maybe I should have done something else. I mean, how many times do we put something back on us again, thinking that somehow, some way, if we just do something just right, then God's going to honor that. <laughs> oh, goodness, are we ever a mess. So, okay, let's see where we are. I want to take time to do a little bit of praying today. I want to be out by noon, so let's see. Mm -hmm. uh, do, you, do you guys know that there's a court in heaven? Mm -hmm. there's, a, there's a judicial court in, ha in heaven. And Jesus is our advocate before this judicial court. So whenever the enemy is pointing his finger at any one of us, Jesus, our advocate, is going before this court in heaven, and he was, he'll say, innocent, 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 because they knew me, because they belonged to me. Now, I tell you what, when you stop and think about that, <laughs> I'm not innocent. In my own eyes, I'm not innocent. And I may have done something really bad, but God declares me righteous at that moment because my advocate went and he stood before the courts of heaven and declared I was innocent. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> How awesome is our salvation. It is so awesome. I want many times when I uh, teach the Bible and I see um, just how precious God's love is to us and how he looks upon us. It's, it's like, do we really appreciate this salvation that God has given us? Do we really stop to think about the price that Jesus paid? Do we really stop to think about the significance of our innocence when we're really guilty? Have we stopped to think about 
all that Jesus did for us, and we aren't going to do it ourselves. We don't have to do it ourselves. We can't do it ourselves. I mean, to me, that is phenomenal. It's not just, it just, it's like, God, this is almost more than what I can un understand or more than what I can comprehend. So <clears throat> when we present the, the, that uh, scripture in Romans 12, 1 says, present, when we present our bodies, that word, I looked it up, and it means when you do that, it's once and for all. In other words, you're not going to take yourself back off that altar again. It's forever. And the Bible tells us that it's our reasonable service and that it is our spiritual worship. So, you know, we think about worship. I'm just going to throw this out here. We think about worship as raising our hands and singing the songs and, and being in this place where uh, we are praising and, and worshiping God in, through music or whatever. But our life is worship. How we live our lives is worship to God. How I respond to Him is worship to God. If I am living my life as unto him, he looks down here and he says, that is worship. David, his life was worship because he, he was a man after God's own heart and God saw that. But look at the sin that was in his life. But his heart was sold out 100% to God. If we only knew, if we could see into this spirit realm, and we could see what God has in store for us. We would run to the altar. We wouldn't sit. And I'm talking to me, guys. I'm talking to me. Why do we sit there when there are such an awesome thing that there's not... I, I know that Rosemary and I have talked about this before. She's talked about how many times she comes to the altar to get prayer. I said, that's wonderful. Don't ever think you're coming to the altar too often for prayer. Because, you know what? We could all come to the altar every time there's an altar call, and God would meet us right there with something. And so why do we hold back? I know one time I saw it with myself, and it's, it's, a, it's a lame excuse. But I sat back there and I thought, well, there's all these other people that, you know, they really are hurting and I was thinking I was okay <laughs> isn't that pride anyway I didn't come up for that reason because I'm thinking there's somebody that needs it maybe worse than I do so I let them have the time to come up here but we're we're really self-centered you know what <laughs> it's something that we all have to fight all the time is this self-centered nature that's in every one of us that either thinks we know it or thinks that it, it should be the way that we think it should be. And God's way is always the right way. He's Yahweh. <laughs>